Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. And uh, this week I'm going to be talking a little bit about the British volunteers in the Spanish Civil War. One of the reasons I'm talking about this is that there are two books I'm reading at the moment, uh, Paul Preston's The Spanish Holocaust and Richard Baxtell's a really excellent Unlikely Warriors, which um, looks at the international brigades, particularly um, the British Battalion of the International Brigade. Now, the for, for those that really don't know um, anything on this particular subject or who are new to looking at the Spanish Civil War, um, it's important to uh, lay, lay a background. Uh, in the run-up to um, 1936, there had been um, an intense period of class conflict in Spain, and the most intense period of that lies between 1931 and 1939, during the period of the Second Spanish Republic, the Civil War begins in 1936, but an intense um, class conflict had begun long before that. The, uh, the Latifunda, the Spanish landowners and the Catholic Church and the army, um, all, um, if, you, if you read uh, Paul Preston's work, looked upon the, the, the left and the, the poor as being... Uh, something quite other, something quite um, not U- sort of indigenous European um, Spanish, uh, but being in in some way uh, kind of a, a foreign alien element in the country, and they were fond of referring to the poor as being essentially like the um, Moroccans who had been colonised by Spain, um, or and there was. Uh, a curious anti-Semitism at play as well, because obviously um, Spain had expelled its Jews in the 15th century, and the um, the, the absence of any um, of any major Jewish community in Spain didn't actually stop um, Spanish anti-Semites from inferring that the um, socialist values and ideas and, and anarchist and Marxist ideas that were prevalent in Spain at the time, were in some way part of some Jewish conspiracy, and there, were, there was a, uh, a Jewish plot against Catholicism ongoing. So it was a kind of a, a religious an- anti-Semitism. From 1936 onwards, the Spanish <coughs> uh, generals under San Giorgio um, declare war on the Republic, and the uh, intervention of uh, Hitler and Mussolini in airlifting the Spanish army from North Africa to mainland Spain uh, is crucial in uh, enabling the rebellion to take place. 
This was in contravention of the non-intervention agreement that was signed in August 1936 by Britain, France, Germany, Italy, the Soviet Union and a number of other countries. The non-intervention agreement uh, was suited um, the Baldwin government in Britain because really um, the unspoken preference of the uh, Baldwin government was to have um, any kind of government except a communist one. They knew full well that the Germans and Italians were likely to break the non-intervention agreement. Uh, The non-intervention agreement essentially uh, starved the Republic of Spain of uh, of arms. The Republic of Spain, as a legitimately elected government, had every right to equip itself and with um, state-of-the-art weaponry in order to defend itself, uh, but was under arms embargo. The uh, Germans and Italians, uh, under Hitler and Mussolini, had no qualms about assisting the nationalist revolt, partly because neither wanted to see a Spain that could potentially be sympathetic to, uh, a, to the Soviet Union, and neither wanted to see uh, popular front governments uh, in Spain and potentially another in France. Um, it was also a very convenient testing ground for the German, uh, new, the, the newly rearmed German forces, particularly their air force. Though the majority of tr- uh, foreign troops on Spanish soil were in fact Italian, and that would be uh, the overwhelming majority. The Germans committed about 12,500 men in the Condor Legion, um, most importantly, they committed aircraft, artillery, armour and military advisors. But uh, a huge number um, of troops were sent by Mussolini, and Mussolini had intervened first. Um, the uh, question of um, involvement from the other side, from the Soviet Union, is a, a very pertinent one, and um, Richard Baxel brings it up in um, Unlikely Warriors. The... Popular view has been in the past that uh, the Spanish Civil War was a kind of a European civil war, a microcosm of a European civil war for between um, communism and fascism, and maybe a dry run for a Second World War. The idea, however, that Stalin was hoping to win in Spain is perhaps slightly weakened uh, by some of the things that um, Baxel has to say, which I, I find very interesting ideas. Um, He puts forward the thesis that Stalin wasn't so much looking to win outright in Spain, Um, he was looking for uh, a means by which to uh, drag out um, a war that fascist powers could be involved in. So perhaps a defeat was eventually inevitable, and Stalin maybe didn't mind this too much, uh, the idea of having a, a fairly autonomous socialist Spain with all manner of different uh, uh, socialist voices, what you know, potential in inverted commas Trotskyites or anarchists uh, involved, uh, wasn't too palatable. And if that had have happened, it looks, it seems unlikely that Stalin would have been able to um, use Comintern or any other direct means to intervene and impose um, a, a Stalinist orthodoxy on a new uh, independent uh, co- uh, socialist republic in Spain. So <clears throat> the best option was to allow um, fascism to create perhaps its own Vietnam, in inverted commas, in Spain, 
to be dragged into a long and bloody and exhausting war, which would give Stalin time to prepare um, and to defend himself against fascism. The from 1936 onwards, it's no, it's no mistake, it's no coincidence. I beg your pardon. That from 1936 onwards, um, Stalin's um, internal terror uh, to, um, becomes uh, the obviously the the great terror. And part of the reason for that is Stalin's um, paranoia and obsession with uh, the growth in power of external enemies. By 1936, he has decided that the three main powers that are of greatest threat to him are Germany, Japan, and Poland, and there must be uh, there must be a mass operation inside Russia to get rid of internal enemies before the inevitable external attack comes. But it was uh, Comintern that organised the international brigades. The um, military advisers that the Soviet Union sent to Spain had a look at the Republican army and knew that it would not be able, without serious intervention and help, to be able to to fight off any of the uh, fight off the nationalist threat. The uh, Soviets knew that there was no way that they could land an army uh, in uh, Spain, and so. The alternative suggestion was to raise international brigades via Comintern and use local communist parties in uh, Britain, France, Yugoslavia, America, Ireland and beyond to send volunteers. The um, initial process of um, volunteering it was, it was quite a, an interesting, if slightly haphazard one. Many of the volunteers for Spain had... Um, experience in um, mass organized action in Britain so particularly the the hunger marches um, <clears throat> against uh, poverty in the most deprived areas of the country during the depression organized by the national unemployed workers movement and also activism uh, against Oswald Mosley's uh, British Union of Fascists and Black Shirts which had really reached its height in 1935 1936 these um, these kinds of uh, events had radicalised a certain uh, percentage of largely working class young men to see that um, or to believe that fascism was on the march across Europe and had to be stopped somehow. The non-intervention of uh, uh, Baldwin and the non-intervention of Leon Blum in France and the, the decision to starve the Republic of Arms, was a, a clear sign to many of these young men, ultimately, uh, and some women, uh, let's not forget, um, that ultimately um, there was a, an attempt really to facilitate fascism, to allow it to spread. How much this is true is debatable, but certainly uh, people like Stanley Baldwin, their, their eyes were focused more on the threat of communism than on fascism in the 1930s. Following the outbreak of the Civil War in 1936 and the subsequent signing of the Non-Intervention Agreement, volunteering to go to Spain actually becomes illegal. There is uh, a, a complicated network of um, police and intelligence services um, attempting to block men from travelling firstly to France and from there uh, to cross the Pyrenees. The British police in particular, reading between the lines, seem to have been particularly uh, anti 
uh, intervention and uh, took a very dim view of men trying to cross the channel and uh, the, the preferred method was to take a kind of a day return ticket for which, which one did not need a passport to the, the French ports. At several stages in London, in Paris, and then finally across the, across the Pyrenees, men were consistently asked, are you sure you want this? Um, the um, Covent Garden office of the Communist Party tended to weed out uh, people they thought were unreliable, who were adventurers, who were going really for the wrong reasons, and were looking for men with a, 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 what they viewed as a, a stable and um, important kind of political commitment to the struggle. Uh, ideally communists, but a whole range of different kinds of, of anti-fascists were welcomed. There were men who, uh, a small minority at each stage, dropped out and, and went back. But particularly when the, the Pyrenees were crossed, uh, many had to do it at night, and they had uh, Spanish and French guides who would take them over and who would um, you know, caution them to keep lights off and not to drop anything. Indeed, there were... Um, uh, guides at the back of every marching group who would pick up things that the men had dropped uh, because there could be no trace of them having passed over the mountains. In total, about 1,800 men and women in Britain uh, served in the International Brigade in Spain. They were there for between 36 and 38. In 1938, the International Brigades are finally sent home and uh, bid to try to uh, appease Franco and bring the war to some kind of uh, acceptable conclusion for both sides. Obviously, Franco continued to fight and was victorious in 1939. The uh, attrition rates amongst the uh, British battalion of the International Brigade are horrific. Some 20% of them were killed, mainly because of a, a range of things. There is a, a great quote in the book where uh, one of the... Irish frontiers said uh, war is a muddle and the, the both sides were invariably in a muddle. The side that's in less of a muddle will win. Well, that side was the nationalists. There, were, um, there was insufficient training. Most of the men had a very, very short period in which to learn any kind of combat skills. And the much of the training was old fashioned and out of date, relying a lot on on marching and drill and less on actually uh, fighting in um, real uh, real combat situations. The weapons were uh, World War one rifles, particularly old Austrian Mausers that would periodically blow up in one's hands. They were um, completely unfit for purpose for the most part, and there were not enough to go around. The uh, men lacked basic things such as uniforms, uh, there was a, a weak logistics situation. Um, th this all improves gradually over time, but uh, the first few battles, particularly at Yorama and Burnett, um, see horrific casualties and men forced to confront um, the, nationalist, the entrenched nationalist positions and their elite African soldiers using uh, attacks that, that had been declared obsolete in World War I. And the reason for that was partly a lack of military expertise and was partly to do with um, a, a more, than a, a more than a dose of Stalinism uh, in the uh, 
upper ranks of the international brigades. Bear in mind that the higher one goes up, the more answerable to, to Moscow one would be. And the um, accompanying all the military officers were political commissars who ensured that a, a Stalinist orthodoxy was, uh, was fed to the men. And so the idea of uh, retreats, turning back, of tactical withdrawals, um, all an anathema to um, the, the Stalinist way of thinking, sacrificed hundreds upon hundreds of British volunteers, not to mention volunteers from other countries such as France and America and Ireland. So the result of this was that within a year of the war, there's a quite a high degree of desertion and a desire amongst many men to go home. Uh, many had been misled with the idea that they would be rotated out of the field and allowed to return on leave to uh, Great Britain periodically. The, um, at the Battle of Urama, uh, men were holding the line for up to 75 days, which, you know, if you look at the uh, times in which men were holding the line, in World War One, uh, they were holding the line for you know two weeks uh, on average. So there is a there's a huge, huge disparity uh, between uh, troop rotation, and it's largely due to sheer desperation. Um, the fact that supplies and um, any kind of material aid had been denied to the Republic uh, by Britain and France, among others really is, is a bit of a clue here. I think that one of the most remarkable things is the number of men who, when they returned from Spain, decided that the struggle with fascism wasn't over and couldn't be over, and then in 1939 realised that the next fascist war had begun, or anti-fascist war, as it were, and decided to enlist in the British Army. Many of them brought extremely valuable skills with them that the, the British Army was quite happy to, uh, to take on board these are the men who had fought uh, in the had first direct hand experience of fighting in the kind of war with artillery, aircraft, and heavy machine gun fire that was going to be a key feature of the next war. So this has been um, a kind of a little whistle stop tour through uh, looking at the uh, international brigades. Obviously, I can't do it justice in quarter of an hour. But Get Unlikely Warriors, it's a hell of a read. It's a, a real page-turner and uh, one of those kind of books that you, you just you don't particularly have to wade through. It is a, a compelling and exciting narrative um, and, and well, worth, uh, well worth the cover price. And if you're looking to read a personal account of one uh, very famous uh, international brigader, one of the uh, Puma militia, you can read all about uh, the experiences of George Orwell in Spain in our new Explaining History 20th Century Lives ebook on George Orwell. It's a, an abridged account of his life by the brilliant Julia Routledge, and you can check it out on the site if you go to www.explaininghistory.com and you can check, you can follow the link from there. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Bye bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.